Welcome to By Design with Lynn and Danette. We are so glad you're here. I am Lynn. And I'm Danette. And our hope is that this is a space where you'll find encouragement for your home and for your soul. We have real conversations about God, interior design, and all the things we love. Our hearts are to encourage women to run their race, to keep their eyes on God, and somehow we manage to offer up some design advice for your homes in between. We share from our real-life experiences, and from time to time, we talk to some amazing guests. And head over to our website, bydesignpodcast.com, where you'll find links to all our shows and the things that we talk about. We also have links there to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and now even Pinterest. You can listen to our show right there on our site and you can subscribe too. So if you have iTunes or an Android phone, that'll help you connect. Yep, right there. There you go. So easy. You guys, today we're so excited because... um, you know how you read a book in your life and you're like, oh my golly, if only I could talk to this author. I just want to let her know how amazing it is and how God's like changing my life for it because mm-hmm. he's using her. And um, I read one of those books this fall and now you're reading that book. <laughs> it's Seated with Christ um, by Heather Holloman. And today she's on the podcast. Yeah, it's she is so smart and oh, so witty and just I could listen to her talk for days seriously yeah and we're we, we're gonna have her on again because she's just such a gem and she was just mm-hmm. so much fun and honestly like I her and Lindsay might be life twins <laughs> seriously she's the smart version <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the, I'm like the um annoying little sister that just is trying to keep up because she's brilliant she is brilliant. Yeah. Man. So you guys are going to love it. So enjoy our chat with Heather. Hi, Heather. Hello. I'm so happy to be with you on this amazing podcast. Oh, you're so sweet. We're thrilled you're with us. Well, I had the best time when I saw you a few, I guess a month ago. It was just so great to be with you all. I feel like it wasn't long enough. I know. <laughs> I feel like we're already great friends. Though. I know. Yeah. I remember at the end of the night, I was sitting in a chair next to you basically begging you to stay. <laughs> I kept trying to talk to you and ask you questions. Can you move here? <laughs> hey, we've got a, we have a great university here. You could teach. Oh, I know. I could teach writing anywhere. That's, that's what people need to know. If they know how to write, they'll always have a job because everyone needs to learn how to write. I love it. Uh, well, yes, you need to teach me. <laughs> Please. I'm not so good with the words. <laughs> with the words. Um, well, you're very good on podcasting, that's for sure. So oh, that's hilarious. Maybe, maybe you just need spoken words, not written words. Yes. I'm an external processor. I've been told that. Oh, very good. So. Oh, good. Yes. So I need to. So Heather, tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself to all of our listeners. Well, hello, everyone. I am a writing instructor at Penn State, so I teach advanced writing and freshman composition. I teach the course, the required course for the freshmen that nobody wants to take. So I love Mm -hmm. them. I love freshmen. I love caring for them, helping them kind of transition to adulthood as they learn how to write. And I'm on staff with Crew. My husband's the National Director of Graduate Student Ministry. So we have a lot of PhD and master's students in our home all the time. Have mercy. And it's so fun. And then um, what else do I do? I write every time I'm not teaching or grading or with graduate students, I'm writing nonfiction devotional material. And I also work on novels. Wow. And novels. I've got two daughters. I know, novels. Okay. Are novels. they published? No, what happened was I have about three or four novels that I was trying to publish for about 15 years. And then I started giving talks at crew on seated with Christ, endure, guarded, all my favorite verbs. And my agent said, people love this talk. People are being changed by how you talk about Ephesians 2, 6. What if we made it into a book? And we did. And Moody Publisher loved it and bought that manuscript. And so that's where my story with nonfiction began. But in February, we're going to try to publish my fiction again. Awesome. That's fantastic. I'm so excited. Wow. So is it like medieval? No, no. Wouldn't that be funny if it were? I know. I was wondering. Well, right now I have a lot of Southern fiction um, because I married a Southern man from a small Southern town. And as a military daughter who never settled in any one community, I became obsessed with this Southern North Carolina town. So I wrote three novels based on characters in this town. And then I have a novel set in 1995, and it's about the evolution of technology in the 90s and these really quirky characters that work in an office supply store. 
Oh my word. It's like the office. <laughs> it is. It is. It's quirky characters. Oh. Love office supplies. Yes. So we'll see. Maybe oh. you'll see that coming out next year if we can oh. get a publisher to. Could you write our story? It. I feel like you could write, you could write like Desperate Housewives, like Lindsay Dinnett edition. <laughs> she could write oh, about I anything. I would. No, I love you guys already. I love that even the details about the design things that you guys like with dishes or wing back chairs. I was like, oh my gosh, I love these characters. Oh. I love these girls already. Just well, the little things you love. Oh, you're so sweet. Okay. So I had never read your amazing writing and I, a friend gave me your book, Seated with Christ, and we decided we were going to lead it for our women here in um, Valparaiso. So I started reading Seated and then I was just so moved. I just got so excited meeting with these women every day that were also reading it. And seriously, Heather, everybody needs to read this book. Danette is now reading it. Yes. I am. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. I, I am in so crazy in love with it right now. It is so good. I and know. it's just so real and honest and full of scripture and purpose. And I just love it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be coming out of my mouth for every episode we record. Because this is what happens when I read something, I can't stop talking about it. So it's going to be, you're going to keep hearing about this forever. Oh, you guys are I'm so, so on fire about it. It's, it's really, really good. It's like life a life-changing book. Like this is what I love is, so we have had... Um, our background, like both Danette and I have done like inductive Bible studies in the past. We've loved them. Um, we love the word of God clearly and clearly you do too, but I love it. I just love the way God uses brilliant people like you to write words that um, relate and challenge and grow people like me. Mm-hmm. Like I, Aww, I have been so, so uh, richly blessed by authors that, God uses to like reveal himself more and more. So I just thank you so much first. You're so welcome. I mean, it is one of my most favorite things in the world to help God's word come alive for people, especially teenagers or women who've read God's word all their life, but it doesn't seem like it comes with a spirit of revelation with it. You know, they don't feel like it's hitting them or that the Holy Spirit's using it. So I just think when I wrote Seated with Christ, it just gave women a way to really understand maybe for the first time what what Paul is saying in that passage. So it's such a special book and it represents years of my own growth through like therapeutic settings, Mm. battling depression and jealousy and comparison. So, and I wrote, you know, I raised my kids without you know, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff. So I can't imagine what young moms feel right now raising their kids in this culture of comparison. So mm-hmm. I love that book. Have mercy. So I, I totally agree with you. And I am now just about finished reading Guarded. And it has done the exact same thing, Guarded with Christ. I just love this book. I love the pictures you draw in my mind and all of the things that... Okay, Can we like break this down for our listeners? Like, can you tell us a little bit what Seated is about first? Well, Seated is about a moment I had with Jesus reading a passage of scripture that I'd read a thousand times before. And it's just that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And it's a past tense verb. So it means it's already happened to us. So right now, in some spiritual sense, we are seated at the greatest table with the greatest king. Well, when I read that passage, I was like, I'm not living like I have a seat at the greatest table. I live like I'm fighting for a seat at the table. I was miserable. I was that Christian mom who was doing everything right, you know, blogging, going to church, doing Christian music in my kitchen, but something was missing. I had this deep ache inside that I was longing for my real life to begin that maybe one day this one thing would happen and I'd finally be happy. Well, that day I felt like Jesus was saying to me, the life you want for yourself is already happening because you're seated at this table that you've been longing for. Now start living like a seated person. Start living like the life you want is already here. And the life I wanted is intimacy with Jesus and living out the good works he's prepared in advance just for me to do. So I became a different person, ladies. The women in the neighborhood were like, Heather, what has happened to you? Mm-hmm. I I could really love people and stop focusing on myself. I finally felt free from jealousy and comparison. And for the first time in 40 years, I was able to rejoice with other women about their successes. I mean, it was so profound. You'd be embarrassed mm-hmm. to know, or I'm embarrassed to tell you just how deep the jealousy went. Like, do you want me to give you an example? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, in December, 
This is so funny. Because I'm you sure nobody December. else can relate, you know? <laughs> well, all the pictures. Start, I love okay, it. So like three years ago, I would just sit in my living room and cry because of all the pictures coming through social media about the beautiful Christmas trees, all the little girls in their nutcracker outfits, all Aww. the women in their beautiful Christmas wardrobes. And I just cried and cried about the life I thought I was supposed to live. And I thought, oh, we're missing out. My children aren't in ballet. We don't have a beautiful, a beautifully decorated Christmas home. I don't have a new Christmas wardrobe. We're not going to the Bahamas over Christmas like half my neighbors. We're not going to Disney World like everyone else. And I just cried and cried. And I felt mm-hmm. like I was living the wrong life because I just was so jealous. Well, I read Cedar, I wrote Cedar with Christ that summer. And then the next Christmas came along. And instead of all that jealousy, I literally laughed with people with joy about all God had brought into their life. And I went to all the Nutcracker performances. I just rejoiced with women because I knew that God had a special seat for me and that all seats provide access to all the riches of God's kingdom. And I wasn't missing anything. Mm -hmm. I was not missing anything that God had intended for my life. And it changed our whole family. My children felt free. Because you know how moms push their kids into all these activities and even buy the right clothes, do the right things? It's rooted in jealousy and fear. And so I stopped being that kind of mom. Wow, that's so true, though. You know how we um, push on our kids, our insecurities, wanting them to kind of be and be seen in all the ways we haven't been, man. Right. We're trying to live vicariously through them. Right. right? But to let them be free of that. And even for yourself, man, that's awesome. It's so great. I don't know. It was a huge intervention of God in my life. I felt like he used Ephesians 2 to rip apart a stronghold in my heart that was really keeping me miserable. I wasn't experiencing the life God had for me because I was always wanting something else. Kind of like Eve in the garden. She was in paradise. Mm -hmm. And yet Satan was Mm -hmm. able to convince her that she was missing something. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just the work of the Holy Spirit, taking that one verse in that one moment of time and completely changing how you live your life. Like that, it might sound weird, but like that gives me hope for myself in the bro- my broken places, how I feel like I can't overcome. And even some of our, you know, the people that are in our families and our friends mm-hmm, and absolutely. the messed up people we know who never seem to change. Like we just need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to speak through the lies. Mm. Because, man, that just blows my mind. He does. And he uses his word. But what's happening in culture is women don't believe in the authority of God's word and the power of God's word. So they don't read it. They don't read it devotionally. They don't read it with anticipation that God will really use it. Hmm. Um, So they listen to a lot of, you know, sermons or read a lot of books that are about maybe spiritual ideas. But they don't know how to shape God's word to their life. So Hmm. I think that's what I've been learning is how God's word is so powerful. It really does shape and renew your mind. That's so so interesting. It's so amazing. Oh yeah. I love how you said that though, that women, and I can see that. Like when you said that, that they don't believe that the word of God is the authority that it is, that it has Mm -hmm. the power that it has. Like, we forget that or we don't want to acknowledge it. But I, it's so true. You see that all around. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a mystery. I mean, I'm an academic. I have a PhD in English literature. So my whole life has been about words. Mm. But the Bible is mm. not words. It's the inspired Amen. like proclamation of God that when we read it, the Holy Spirit transforms us That's right. and it has power when we speak it. I don't know, but it's a mystery because mm-hmm. mm, I don't it's, know. Because it's God. It is. It's a mystery. Yeah. And it's um, timeless. I mean, I read the Psalms every single day and mm-hmm. every single day he shows me something new right? in the same Psalms I've been reading it, yes, for 40 years. Yes. How is that? Only God can do these things. Mm-hmm. It's so great. It's so great. I love it. So then you wrote, so after Seated, then how long after was it when you wrote Guarded by Christ? Well, that next summer, the same thing happened. I was in the exact same location in Colorado where we go for our ministry training with crew. And I was reading Psalm 97 and I read the passage, God guards the lives of his faithful ones. And I had been experiencing so much homesickness and anxiety and fear, and I didn't feel strong inside. I felt really immature. 
I didn't feel like the mature Christian I wanted to be. I had this vision of kind of like what a mature Christian woman would be like, you know, think of Proverbs 31 or, mm-hmm. um, right. you know, the, in Psalm 112, it says the righteous man has no fear of bad news. Mm-hmm. And in James one, it says the mature man is the, the godly man is mature and complete, not lacking anything. Right. Okay. So I'm reading that verse. And all of a sudden I thought to myself, if I really believed God was guarding everything about me, how would my life change? And how would I be strengthened in my inner being like Paul prays in Ephesians 3? And then I thought I just had this whole picture of what a mature woman would be like. And I pictured myself in the fortress of God's care because I thought, well, how did the biblical writers imagine being in God's guarding care? Because Paul imagined himself at in a seat at this table that, that he was seated with Christ. So I I look through the Psalms and over a hundred times the biblical writers use images of fortresses, towers, shield, refuges, you know, rocks. And I thought, well, I want to be in the fortress of God's care. So just like seated, I pictured a fortress and that my soul was in that fortress with Jesus, that he was my dwelling place. And I thought, well, what is Jesus doing here? What are the privileges available to me in this special secret guarded place? So the whole book was about the unlimited privileges of being in God's guarding care. And there's only five of them that I focus on, but I'm sure there are many more. And that's we're guarded by righteousness, peace, hope, power, and his crucified life, which means we don't have to be obsessed with ourselves anymore. We can give ourselves completely into God's care and he will shape our lives for us. I, I am just loving it. It's so powerful. I love like, I, you know, I just finished like the catapulting like from um, condemned to confident and, you know, you, then you move on to like from like, I just love it. From despair to delight. The and images help. I love Don't you it. think they oh, help Oh my you word. Remember? Yes. I love that image. And I, well, you know, I need that. I need the images. Well, guess what I found out last week. This will fascinate you ladies. I was at a ministry conference where I thought all these women looked so great, so happy, so put together, but I found out later secretly that the majority of these same women were really battling guilt and condemnation and feelings of worthlessness. So they were seeking prayer and counsel about how to deal with this overwhelming feeling that they are not pleasing to God, that somehow they walk around feeling guilty, condemned, ashamed all day long. And these are mature Christian women in ministry. So I thought about that very first chapter that we're covered by his righteousness, that we don't live in condemnation, that that is the accuser. That's the voice of the accuser attacking the most important thing about us as Christians. And that is Christ's righteousness is applied to us. So we are seen as perfect and acceptable to God at all times. And it really changes how you go about your day to know that God's delighted by you. He's so willing for you to be in his presence. He can't wait for it, but we don't see God that way. Mm. You know, we see him as disappointed, angry. Mm-hmm. Right. It's those lies that whisper to us, you know, and it's funny because that's something I struggle with. I struggle with that. And especially I think if you are, um, you know, stepping out and doing something new, you know, or different, you know, all of those, like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough that somebody else is better at this. I'm not going to do this. Like all of those insecurities and, um, lies, you know, that the enemy will whisper to you. I just, he, that is his native tongue. The enemy is the accuser. He doesn't want you to know who you are in Christ. I mean, even yesterday, I was like, God, I feel like I'm not doing a good job here, here, and here. I feel like I'm failing. And I was meeting with God, telling him this. And what came to mind was that picture of Mary and Martha, you know, the, in mm-hmm. Luke where, you know, um, he's like, Mary is choosing the best thing. She's just mm-hmm. listening and at my feet and everything else will take care of itself. So it was a sweet moment with Jesus to be like, yeah, everything may mm-hmm. be falling apart, but the good thing is right here. Just meeting with Jesus. He will work out my life. I don't need to prove myself to anyone. It's okay if I fail, especially around Christmas time, because you want that perfect holiday for your family. But, you know, combining seated with guarded, it's almost like a recipe for freedom, true freedom. You're seated. He's going to He's got the good works prepared for you. You don't need to compare your family to anyone else's and you're guarded by his care. So all those negative emotions and um, 
ways you're feeling inside, just hold it up to the light of scripture and let him begin to change your mind about the, all those toxic emotions. That's so great. Sorry. We're just like listening and soaking in all of your, yes. every, yeah. every Garden time is deep though. Garden is, is not for it the faint is. of heart. It's a deep book. It's, I wrote it for college mm. students, but it's really older women who are dealing with maybe the reality of suffering, loss of loved ones, depression. It's mm. for, it's a deep book. It's it, a deep book. It really is. And like for me this time of year, I, I battle with depression and I still do. And I, this time of year is when I, I like had my initial like breakdown. And so like all the smells and everything want to trigger back those memories. And I know we all have different strongholds in our life that we have triggers and the Satan wants to use to like remind us that we are broken. And I'm so thankful that I am and that God has rescued and, you know, has made a way, but it's just so good to read these truths. Like, Oh my gosh. So you're not in the chapter on hope yet? Not yet. Cause, okay, cause well, this is the thing yeah. girl is I am having to like, I read the chapter and I have to like sit and think and let it process. And then I write down a few things. You know what I mean? I just, Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's so good and rich. I battled depression for about six years and anyone who's been depressed knows it's terrible. I mean, you, you feel like your life has been stolen from you and you're in this weird, dark hole and you can't describe it to anyone. Well, when I began to look at the scriptures about God, his name in Romans 15, he's the God of hope. He is hope. And I, and I looked at how Jeremiah battled his own depressive moods. I looked at like, okay, what are people doing to get Mm -hmm. out of this kind of pit of despair? But my favorite line in this chapter is when a priest goes to see, uh, or I mean, when a woman who's battling with feeling like she's losing her mind, she goes to this priest in this novel I was reading And she says, I don't know what to do. I'm losing my mind. What if I never get better? And the priest says to her, if you lose your mind, you lose it into the hand of God. Mm. And I just felt so happy to know that the depression may return, but that's not the most important thing about me. And even mental health isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is what Jesus is doing in my soul as the God of hope. Mm. So on my worst days, I'm just like, look, my mind is my enemy today. I'm just going to let it do what it's going to do. I'm going to focus on Jesus's guarding presence in my soul as hope. I'm going to do what Jeremiah did and record the new mercies of God. I'm going to take care of my body, but I'm going to put mental health in its rightful place, meaning it can become an idol for me. That me having a good day is the most important thing as opposed to just worshiping Jesus kind of in that secret place of my soul and knowing that my mind may waste away, but inwardly I'm being renewed day by day, which we read in Corinthians. I love that. Outwardly, I may lose my mind, ladies, but inwardly, <laughs> God's already my soul. Yes. Oh, it's so great. And I remember, it's funny, when I was in a really dark place, I remember I was in the Psalms and I remember I handed my husband uh, a note with Psalm seventy-one fourteen written on it. And it said like, but as for me, I will always hope. Yeah, I'll praise yes. you more and more. And um, it's so funny. He actually ended up writing a song out of it. And Aww. it's so sweet. I know. I know. Oh, I love that. I've been in so much therapy though. Do you want to hear the best line? <laughs> I love, yes, I love therapy. Okay. He said, depression is a gift from God mm-hmm. to let you know that something's out of balance. So meet with the Holy wow. Spirit and ask him to reveal what is out of balance? And so my therapy for a year was to meet alone. Sorry, with God can you for say that one more time? Yes, yes, yes. Because okay, I'm a therapist <laughs> that I paid a fortune for. He's a Christian kind of neuroscientist um, mm. therapist, and he really understands the mind. And he said to me, "Depression is a gift from God to alert you that something is out of, out balance. of balance." And he said, "Meet with God and ask Him mm. to reveal to you." You know, because he, oh, yes. he is our counselor to reveal what is out of balance. And, you know, I went to the doctor to be like, no, give me medication right now, which I did. I was on medication for two years. But before that time period, my therapy was to meet with God for an hour a day, seek what is out of balance. And, and the categories I was looking at were, you know, my physical health, nutrition, I got all my blood work done. I evaluated toxic relationships. So the social aspect of my life, I looked at my devotional life. I just was able to really examine, okay, what is this life God's given me? And is there something in my life that 
where I'm given the enemy a foothold, that something's out of balance in terms of anything. And, and God did reveal some things to me. It was kind of this amazing moment with God. So I went to therapy, I guess, starting in November and I met with God for an hour a day. And then by March, I know that seems like a long time to people Mm -hmm. listening. They're like, March. (laughs) Well, I was driving on a dirt road, you know, this kind of country road in Michigan. I was, um, so depressed that it was like this suicidal, like, I can't do this anymore. I, I want to end my life. And I'm driving in this car and I felt this moment with God, you know, it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't any kind of weird supernatural thing. It was just in the quiet of my soul. I felt God asking me, will you live the life I ask you to? Hmm. And I cried so hard because I realized the source of my depression was I did not trust that God had a good life for me. And I wanted to control my own life. And so that day when I said, yes, I will live the life you ask me to, even if it means suffering, even Mm -hmm. if it means I'm poor, Mm -hmm. even if it means I'm ugly, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And that was a big turning point. And my Mm -hmm. therapist said, you know, to mark that day as a Mm -hmm. divine intervention of an answer of, I don't know, because a lot of people think depression is really anger towards, towards yourself. Like it's anger towards turned inward you're, you're really angry at something. And so a lot of it was just figuring out how my mind was working, where it was stuck, whether or not I needed medication. And then now I have to put so much in place to keep mental health working. Wow. Uh, Well, that's so encouraging though. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's not complex. It's really as it's more simple than I thought. This doctor was like, we like to think it's really complex, but it's it's more simple than I thought. Just this doctor sounds wonderful. You have to send us his name. My insurance <laughs> yeah. no longer covers him, so sometimes I'm able to Skype with him. Um, yeah, a good Christian therapy Amen. can change your life. But really, do you know what he did the very first day? You know, okay. Imagine I'm paying a fortune. I walk in, and do you know what he he said to me? He tells me to read Galatians five. Oh mercy! He says mm. you have to read Galatians five because there's a real you. And yeah, a fake you. Right. There's a you that is controlled by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. which is the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a you dominated by the flesh and Satan that will always lead to trouble and distress and despair. Right. So he made me read Galatians 5. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's a good word, though, for all of us. Amen. <laughs> Go back there and start there. And I think so many of us are chasing mm. something. We're, I mean, we all are, right? Like we're chasing money or fame or beauty or the perfect body. And there are a lot of people out there that have those things, right? They have money and bodies and just perfection. (laughs) Bodies in general. (laughs) Amen. But like, it's not fulfilling because only God will fulfill us. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just listening to you talk, Heather, about how he was saying, you know, the Lord was saying to you, follow me. And you're thinking, I'm not going to have these things. I'm not going to have a life with lots of money if I live in ministry, because that doesn't pay clearly. Right, right. <laughs> but then the real riches, Holla. like he, the real riches come from knowing Amen. him. And then the other stuff even follows. Well, and then so being crazy. willing to like have him move in you and use you. Like that's the, right. that's a success. Well, I, I heard or read something recently where someone was saying that God knows, like where it says, you know, in the Bible that he will give us the desires of our heart, mm. but he knows the real desires of our heart. The real desire isn't for the money. Mm-hmm. It's for a God who loves us and fulfills us. It's those riches we long for. Well, yeah. And you know what I'm discovering? You know, Satan likes to separate and isolate. That's what he does. And the Mm -hmm. heart is made for community. Mm -hmm. That's why you can go to these third world or developing countries and you see Christian community. They have nothing and the joy and the happiness and the communities always convicts American Christians. They always come back really troubled, Mm -hmm. but No, but it's really Mm -hmm. hard because I love how you just said we're all chasing something Mm -hmm. because, you know, the drive to like, you know, perform and do stuff just this morning. I literally remembered in John where he says he must, he must increase and I must decrease because even in Christian culture, there's a drive to be like recognized and talked about and famous and, 
having a lot of influence and impact, but what if God wants you to live a very simple, anonymous mm-hmm. life and the fruit he chooses for you is one person that you lead to salvation or, or that he has you raising children in a small community where no one's ever going to know your name. I mean, a lot of women are chasing fame. A lot of women are chasing power. That's really hard because our Christian culture can feed that. Mm -hmm. No, but it's with the the guy who lives across the fence that you're going to make brownies for and maybe give a word of hope to, you know, we've talked about this before, how like when Jesus, you know, walked the earth and he, you know, he had a huge he had the platform of the world if he wanted it. Mm -hmm. He's the king of kings. He could have taken and ruled and been the most famous ever, but he stayed in his small circle and he went deeper with just a few, like a few disciples and he made changes. He he spoke truth and love over them and changed their lives. And then they went and they did the same thing and it multiplied. So it's not about getting on the stage, but it's about... Being faithful. Yeah, and but giving... Giving real life-changing, loving things to the people in your circle. And then they go do the same thing. And that's how it multiplies. It doesn't matter if you're seen. It matters if people's lives are changed. And there is a platform for some people. Some people are called to be on the stage. And um, that's great. But like like being seated, like realizing that's their seat at the table. You know, and my seat is here being small and still loving my people well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yes. I could, I'm and just developing all your gifts to be used in whichever way he wants. Mm. Did you guys, have you read that passage in Acts where the ministry is growing, growing, growing? So they pick people who are known for wisdom and they're known to be filled with the Holy yeah. Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you think that they're going to be sent out to do this great ministry, but they're chosen to do the meal preparation. Right. <laughs> right. I love that. It's like glamorous. So glamorous. The Holy Spirit are back making enchiladas for the neighborhood, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Would we be okay with that? Like, you know, yeah. like, would I be okay with that? Would, right. you know, that's awesome. That's a great reminder. I do have an enchilada ministry, by the way, because I oh. was really convicted about preparing, you know, how, what does it mean to prepare the way for the Lord? And literally two weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make food for people. So I made so many lasagnas and so many enchilada pans because they're easy to make and I love to cook. So I delivered them to this mom whose husband was traveling, two pans of enchiladas, two pans of lasagna to help her feed her family for the week. And that was my huge work for the month. Nobody knew about it. Nobody (laughs) cared, but it was just a little food ministry to bless someone. And I felt so happy doing that. And it wasn't Mm. Mm-hmm. Just felt joyful and not, you know, glamorous or anything. But no. yes, my enchilada ministry. <laughs> Girlfriend, that's a great idea. Let's start, uh-huh. a, ha- let's start a hashtag. Mm-hmm. Enchilada ministry, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, Heather, when you were here and you were talking to us, um, when you came to our church about a month ago, you were you said something and like, I've been wanting to like email you or steal your number off Lindsay's phone and call you to ask you about it because... I just want to hear more about it. You were telling us about something about some research or something that you had become familiar with where um, people were believing what they were told or it was changing their lives like by, do you know, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? You know, like if you tell your kid, like you're, you know, you're the daughter of a king, then they'll be, they'll live like they're the daughter of a king. Like, so... Do you I know don't know. About? I can't remember what oh, I don't remember me. exactly. I was doing research on my new Bible study on loneliness, and I don't know if I share this. I was doing this um, uh, research that people who are lonely, it's actually a mindset. So even if they are in rich community, their mind does not enable them to believe that they're connected with people. Loneliness is not so all these interventions to connect lonely people with other people are not working because it's the mindset that they have about who they are. And anyway, so the research is the real intervention is telling them a different story about who they are and what it means. I don't know. Is that what you're talking about? I think that's it. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And so like one of the verbs I'm looking at right now in Ephesians is the two verbs that are so powerful in that book are chosen and included. Mm -hmm. Yet the American church they're saying that there's an epidemic of loneliness and loneliness has Hmm. just been cited. There's a Harvard research study that recently said loneliness is now equal to obesity and smoking for risk of stroke 
because when you're lonely, the cortisol levels in your body are so high and you're so kind of like toxic inside. So anyway, all these researchers are looking at this epidemic of loneliness and how to help people understand a different way of thinking about their life. So I'm interested in, well, if God's word is so powerful and we're chosen and included and deeply knit together as the body of Christ, how, how can we help women read Ephesians and feel the connectedness that Jesus says we have? Because why are we feeling so lonely all the time? And then I was mm-hmm. reading Larry Crabb and he said, we are getting Christian fellowship all wrong. Christian fellowship isn't coming together to just talk about your problems or talk about whatever. True Christian fellowship is coming together. Oh, you'll love this. This will help make you so excited about your friends. <laughs> True Christian fellowship is when you come together. So imagine two women coming together. That woman is praying that Jesus helps her understand what he's doing in that woman's life. And then that friend can say, I can tell that God is doing this. Let Mm -hmm. me encourage this about you. Let's connect Mm -hmm. about what Jesus is doing in you, what Jesus is doing in me. It's our shared life in Christ, talking about what God, what Jesus is doing. And that's what fellowship is. But we don't tend to do that when ladies get together. They don't say, this is how Jesus is working because we're together. We're a body. So let's encourage what we see the spirit doing in each other. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. I don't know if I mentioned that. That's amazing. Yeah, you you didn't mention that latter part, but like we do that. And Lindsay and I and another friend of ours, this is how we have been, our friendship has grown. And I, that is so true because when they tell me they see something the Lord is doing in me, like my heart explodes and then I run after it. Like it's crazy how it's so the rare. affirmation That's, of somebody oh yeah. who's, who's, who's on your side, who's also like growing alongside you. Yeah. But you know, believing the good about you, that's something that has been so helpful in our friendship is like having women who will call you out when you're, you know, being a jerk and you need to be pointed to Christ, but you know that they believe in the good in you yeah, because of Christ. Like, mm. but it's just a tightly knit thing, man. That's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Oh my golly. That's so cool. I am. That is fascinating to me though, that loneliness is up there with smoking and obesity for cause of stroke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's crazy that like you're saying, like there's something in us as Christian women where we, we still feel lonely where, you know, mm. there's something relationally that we're missing. It's so. a big lie. I remember driving in my minivan a year ago And I felt so disconnected from all these women. And I didn't feel close to anyone at church. And I was just like, I'm lonely. Nobody understands me. I hate everything. I'm so alone. I'm so alone. And then I'm turning the corner. This is how God works. It's always when I'm in my minivan. But I'm turning the corner. And I was like, wait a second. The scripture says I'm part of the body of Christ, that I belong to these women. They belong to me. This is a fact of my reality. I am not lonely this is a weird, emotional, toxic, whatever. I'm not going to believe it. And I pulled up to vacation Bible school and I was like a different woman. I saw all these Christian women. I imagined that I was like tethered to them. Like our little souls were all tethered together. And just by choosing to believe what scripture said, I felt so close Mm -hmm. and nothing changed. It's not like I spent time with any of them that week, but just knowing that we were all knit together with these little tethers, it really Mm -hmm. the posture of your heart and mind change though, right? Like the way you see, it's like, you know, when we ask God to give us his eyes and you know, like that's becoming more like Jesus. That's what it is about. Mm -hmm. But loneliness is weird. It is a weird, like, um, Mm. it's like a mindset, kind of like depression is such a mystery, that feeling of loneliness or of homesickness, whatever you want to say, these kind of feelings you get where you feel like something is profoundly wrong inside of you and something is not as it should be. It's like you're missing that shalom piece of God. And usually you just need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind to believe scripture. So just mm-hmm. believe it. We're part of the That's body right. of Christ. We're chosen. We're included. That's right. And um, that will radically change your life. Just believing yes, that it's true and, and alive and for you. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. why. It's a battle. We have to fight these um, mindsets. And you know, a lot of my students, they're obsessed with shows like 
Friends, Gilmore Girls, all these shows that showcase <laughs> intense kind of codependent relationships. Are, are you, you know, me they're too. lonely. <laughs> they, they're looking at this community and yeah. longing for right. a community. It's all, it's rooted in this like belonging. I want this. I want this. And then they go back to their own lives and they just feel so alone. It's oh, so sad. It is. Mm-hmm. I do. I just did jump on the Gilmore Girls wagon though. <laughs> I haven't yet. I'm not there. I, yeah. I I just started season one because my students said I need, need to? to understand this. I know. And it's funny. I love my students always tell me like, you have to watch this. They told me I had to watch Stranger Things. Oh, did you I watch did. that? Did you like it? I did. And then what else? Sometimes yeah, I, Kurt and I watch things that too. and I just know that I shouldn't watch it because it's not good for my soul. Like, right. I couldn't watch Game of Thrones because I thought I couldn't. That it, I can't either. It wasn't. You know, not like I know it's not good for you. There's no legalism you. here. I know right. we're all free, but I just know that certain things Amen. awaken my flesh. That's right. Certain things feed my flesh. Certain things feed. That's discernment, my though, right? That's the gift of discernment. Yep. So that's good. Yes. Yes. More people but, should um, use that. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. Oh, Heather. Okay. So now, can we ask you? Um, you know, we. We're called by design. And so we believe that we're, you know, we believe that we are created in God's design for a purpose. And we also believe that we can enjoy the beautiful things around us. So love it. That being said, what is something that you just love in your home? Well, something I love in my home is my collection of blue and white uh, dishes and like objects. blue yellow. Yes. Oh, yes. girl. You're speaking- and I have Italian spoon. Now, remember, I married a Southern man <laughs> and we had to register. And my mom and my best friend, Elizabeth Pearson, so if she's listening, shout out. She Hola, told Elizabeth. Me, <laughs> yeah, she said, you will never go wrong. You will never get sick of everyday blue Italian spoon. So I've been married 15 years. I still love pulling out those dishes and I have vases. I have a beautiful lamp. I've got an umbrella stand. I have a beautiful pitcher with a bowl, like an an antique washing bowl. Mm. So I love my blue and white because it connects me to my family in the South. Yeah. And, um, I just love it. It's very, um, I guess French country. It's funny that (sighs) I'm on this podcast because what a lot of people don't know about me is that I grew up the daughter of the woman who owned custom interiors in Alexandria, Virginia. So she's done all the designing for, um, like, um, you know, Mount Vernon, she designed the colonial looks, the swags and jabos. Some of her, um, work has been in the oval office, the draperies that you see. Oh, I know. It's amazing. So she owned custom interiors. So I grew up in a house that was a showroom for clients who would come in and, choose kind of, um, you know, the, the look they'd want for their house. So I grew up in a very beautiful home, but my own style is more folk, uh, you know, arts and crafts. And, um, I love the French country look, but we don't have a lot of resources. We don't have a, a budget for decorating. So I do a lot of very unusual things. Like right now we have a lot of pine cones from the forest behind my house that we, I have on the ledges, or little little things from the outside, like we paint acorns um, to decorate for fall, things like that. Okay. We flower press. You, yeah, go ahead. You are our people. Yeah, you're a soul sister. This is let's do it. This is let's who we it. are. We we grab pine cones and we paint acorns <laughs> and sticks, it. and we don't have a budget for decor either. And that's what we try. Yeah, we try to encourage people like you don't have to spend a lot of money to be around beauty. You know, so you that's can, yeah. our whole. You don't. Oh, I well, love the other that. thing I love, this is so funny. One of, I know, don't judge. I'm going to say this. Don't judge. When we joined <laughs> Stafford Crew, one of the things I had to surrender to the Lord is I really wanted a wealthy life that included buying original fine artwork. I'm sort of a snob, oh, but you can't afford. So I we have you. no, we have no, you know, paintings in our home. But guess what? One of our ministry supporters in Dallas, who is a found object artist, a visual artist has sent me three pieces of his original artwork that is so beautiful. And one of them is a cross that he made out of rulers mm-hmm. from the state of Pennsylvania Aww. and they're, they're rulers and they make this cross, but he named the piece, the full measure of his love. So it's like a pun measure. Oh. But so in Aww. our living room, we have this huge cross made out of Pennsylvania rulers Aww. and then 
on send the us stairway. a picture yeah oh i will and then on the stairway he, it's a be, a huge frame filled with uh discarded pencils Mm. So it's all these pencils put together oh. and that piece is called the writing is on the wall. Ah. And it's about his encounter with knowing that passage in the old Testament where the King, inter- the dream is interpreted and it's the writings on the wall and you have been found lacking hmm. this idea that we are, we need a savior. Our sin is destroying us. We need to be rescued. So I have folk art in my home that I didn't buy. That was a gift. That's I love awesome. It. Yeah, that is just, I want it. But I I'm married make a man own. who, That's a well, my idea. husband loves modern, um, a more modern look. So mm. our marriage has had to be a compromise because I love, <laughs> As I it love is. That, the folk Americana look. He will let me just have a couple of pieces in the home. I so like it. above my um, window, it, it says, you know, those little printed boards, it says, bless this house. And then I, I, I have a quilt stand but other than that he loves the modern clean oh yes uh, straight lines. very clean lines yeah. so we have a very um yeah we also have a 10-year plan for home improvement so those of you who are on a budget i mean i have dreams but we just save up and right. buy this piece of furniture here and there but that's smart yeah. yes that's my life story that's, too. i was gonna say that's just real life so yeah i live in a house that i have dreams and plans for but it's you know i also live in the real world where i know we might not ever want to spend the money to do that so i just have to live in my right now mini kitchen and right. just invite people in and say this is my kitchen welcome <laughs> oh i know and cool. not, and and not say change. one day i mean i love when i wrote seated with christ that chapter on um you know instead of the affluence or the accumulation of wealth, knowing I had access to all the riches of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd be amazed at how worn out my house looks, but we have so many parties with right. people and it's just the riches of people and relationship and um, kind of challenging myself. I love that Tolstoy quote that wealth is the number of things one can do without. Mm. So the mm. wealthiest person is the one who doesn't need as much. So I love that's awesome. I feel so strong inside when I'm, when I'm like, you know what? This is what God gave me and I'm going to do so much with just this. Yeah. So it's fun. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I yes. love it. I love it. I had one other thing I wanted to talk to you about that just um, I'm going to throw it out there because do it. I loved it. It was in your book, Seated, and you were talking about um, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, the verse that says the Lord does not look at the things people look at. So people people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is something that um, I carry with me like day in my day-to-day life. And I just, I want other people to grasp this. Like, and I want to learn more of it and believe more of it. Like when I look at the lady, um, you know, that I am sitting by in church who looks nothing like me, dresses nothing like me, you know, might be just from a different complete background and I might not want to be her friend, but like God made her, he sees her soul. What do I see when I look at her? You know what I mean? Like it's not the outward stuff that says who she is. It's, do you know what I mean? You know what I'm getting? Oh at? yeah. Like, it's just, no, I've learned a, so much. Yes. There's something about when you look at the person next to you or the people around you and you, you think that God you remind yourself that God has made them and that he, when he looks at them, what does he see? What were they made for? Oh, I know. That cha- and that they have a treasure hidden deep inside and yeah. you go on a treasure hunt to find it. Yes. Mm-hmm. You yeah. almost want to shake them and tell them, do you know? Right. <laughs> but it, it also brings a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like that a tethering she was saying. Yeah, that we're, you know, that person, mm-hmm. no matter what kind, what they're carrying, what faults and insecurities they're carrying with them that, you know, Love them anyways. Yeah, right. So tell us, talk to us more about that. It just, your well, perspective was so beautiful in this book. Mm-hmm. And Well, when I moved into my neighborhood, I felt like I couldn't connect to any of these women. I mean, I'm, I'm in like Center County, Pennsylvania. I did not feel like I fit in because of, you know, I came out of DC, you know, military family. I'm academic. I have, you know, super, I don't know. I just, but guess what? It was all sin. Mm. It was all sin. It was an attitude of superiority. It was elitism. And God deeply convicted me 
And then what happened was, is the women that I began to become friends with were so incredible and so creative inside. And so I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Like they, the people that seem like you would never be friends with them, that maybe you actually are even repelled by them for some reason. If you push into that, oh my goodness, there's a blessing there that you are going to miss out on. Some some of my best friends are friends I would have never chosen from the outside. Mm. And But once you confess attitudes of either superiority or inferiority, you mm-hmm. will just feel so free in community just to um, be with people and not to be afraid of brokenness, profound brokenness. Cause you know, I'm at Penn state. And so if you guys, if anyone's listening that knew (laughs) several years ago, the Sandusky scandal with Mm, all the, um, you know, the sex abuse of children, what happened Mm. was what a lot of people don't know is since everyone was talking about this, we all had to go through training of how to Mm. identify abusers, how to identify abused children and help them. Well, a wow. lot of women and men came forward to share their stories of abuse as children. Right. So many of my conversations in my neighborhood were, you know, I had to bring two different women to the police department to file reports against abusers. My so here goodness. I am with these very terrible situations. Well, guess what God revealed to me? That verse, God is mm. near to the brokenhearted right. and he <laughs> saves those who are crushed in spirit. So I thought, I'm going to go be near to Jesus and guess where he is? He's with the brokenhearted That's and crushed right. in spirit. So I kind of went to find those people um, in my neighborhood. And, mm. you know, and it's funny, it's true with um, <laughs> students. I always judge my students. I can always tell who's going to be this kind of student. They always prove me wrong. They always are nothing mm-hmm. like I judge right. them to be at first. So right, well, and I I love that it's kind of like the Good Samaritan, you know, like going over and getting dirty. You know, you have to go to actually be a blessing and to be used. Sometimes that means crossing the road and getting your hands dirty, you know. And that I remember. I remember when someone told me that a long time ago. I remember just feeling very like, oh yeah, I can totally relate more with the Levite. I wish I could be say that I was more like the Samaritan <laughs> crossing roads and cultures and everything else to just mm-hmm. help, you know, and that picture in my mind of that entitled, you know, I don't, I don't want to be like that. Like Lord changed my heart. Mm-hmm. No, it's hard. It's hard too, because I don't know if you guys deal with this. I'm in my forties. So a lot of women in my community they love to get together. They go out. They, I don't know, we're not a big city, but the women, there are some nice restaurants and, you know, a lot of people socialize in these ways that you think are going to be so life-giving and you feel so bad if you're not at these parties or in these social settings, but you realize how, what your heart really craves is to be in that authentic fellowship with someone talking about what Jesus is doing um, hmm. and, and you don't want all those things that you think are going to bring you life exactly. related to friendship and social situations and parties. I mean, you may be listening thinking, Oh, well, what if I don't get invited to this holiday party hmm. or this, this thing? And you think all these things are just going to make you so happy, but really I can guarantee you, if you just find a couple people and talk about what Jesus is doing in their life, eat some Christmas cookies, drink some eggnog, you're going to have such a blessed holiday. Amen. Amen. That's a good word, especially Mm -hmm. this time of year. I love that. So, so good. Heather, you are a gem. You guys are. I'm so thankful that I had a friend that like introduced me to your books and then you said yes to coming to talk to our group and golly, you're just blessing so many people. So thank you for being willing to be used Mm -hmm. like that. Oh, I love it. You guys are great. I really wish I had a community like what you guys have. So I had to remember that I was seated in Christ for a reason Mm -hmm. here. Because if you you feel lonely, like you want richer Christian community, one thing is, and I'll just leave with this, that even that can become a big idol. One of the reasons God doesn't have me all the time with Christian women is because I'm really called to be that ambassador and find brokenhearted people and lead them to Jesus. So a lot of my friends are unbelievers. I don't hang out a lot with Mm -hmm. girl, keep running your race. You are doing (laughs) like, seriously, we will cheer you on. Like we are here in Valpo cheering you on. Just keep oh, on. I wish I was there to do crafts with you. Crafts? I'm not crafty though. 
No, I, I do too. You guys have having the cutest like crafty homes where you make little like Dinette Christmas does. crafts. No, I, I don't really, I make things on a whim and I just get it done. It yeah. might not be the correct, most perfect way to do things. That's why I'd like do to do Do you have young children? How old are your children? Yeah, I do. I have a two-year-old and then I okay. have, yeah, I have Ragey and then I have um, a seven and eight-year-old. Okay. Yeah. So is it a lot of... Um, do you guys bake and have a lot going on in the kitchen with your kids? Or like, how do you mostly connect <laughs> with your tell kids? Her, tell her, tell <laughs> Well, there's a lot of screaming at my house. That's how, oh my gosh. It's crazy. She, my kids are You kinda, need to go back and listen to some of our rage stories <laughs> that Danette shares with us yeah, of her life. My little guy is nuts, but I, I do feed them and cook for them. And my daughter likes to bake, but mm-hmm. she likes to draw. My daughter's really creative. Read books and... And then the other two like to wrestle. So like it's <laughs> the boy you know, life. Yeah. It's, it's a That's lot. So, so like fun. I'll have people running around like crazy and I'll be like, don't jump on the picture frame. Watch out for the hammer and the nails. And I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And, and you know, and yes. they, they help out, but you know, um, you know what you said earlier about, you see these pictures of these perfectly Mm-mm. beautiful homes on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and stuff. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard. I, I, because my home is like, I shared a picture yesterday of something I made on my wall, which is just this like wall collage, but like my house is not nice. And like, I was almost embarrassed to share that picture because I know. Shut up. I want to hit you right now. I know the world that I live in and what my home looks like and what I did to that wall, hanging that stuff on it. So like, but other people see a really beautiful picture and they think it's just like, oh wow. But it's like one corner of your life. I know. And you never see someone's whole, you know, that's what we have to remember when we look at these pictures. It's like the other side, you want me to take a picture of the other wall? Yeah. (laughs) Because it's not pretty. I love it. But it's, you know, it's like, we have to remember that is that, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and the things that the things in your home that are eternal are God, are people, God's people. You know that those eternal things in your home, everything else will, Being you know, away. burn, yeah, burn right, away. Girl. Yes, and most of the stuff that I have is from garage sales, and, <laughs> and it can just burn. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. Let it burn, let it burn. <laughs> oh, speaking <laughs> of burning, you know the other thing I have to have that I love in my house. I just want to tell you. Yeah. I love candlelight. So oh, I always have a candle going. Amen. I grew up that way. My mom loved Yankee Candle. Mm-hmm. And oh, um it smells so good. Like, I can smell your house right now. Well, we have a tree, a Christmas tree that my parents gave us when they retired. And it's we have an open floor plan. And so because our house doesn't naturally smell like pine, I miss that smell. So of course I have oh. a candle that makes it smell like pine. But I love it. and I love mulling spices because my mm. mom taught me that every home you have I, to think about this, the way your home smells. And she really taught about how to make a home incorporate all five senses. And so she, uh, our home always mm. smelled so beautiful. And so at Christmas time, this is really cheap too. You don't have to buy them. If you put water on the stove and let it simmer, it also humidifies your home. But if you just put some cinnamon sticks, some clove, and maybe <laughs> ginger and some salt, have that going. All maybe afternoon. a slice of orange. Yes. And the kids will come home. The I house know. will be all humidified and it'll smell like Christmas. So it's wonderful. that's a cheap way to get... Um, something cozy going in your house but Lindsay, yes. Lindsay was just talking about doing this <laughs> two days ago smelling spices she does, it every, she does it all the time I, yes it's so Heather I seriously what do you put in them tell me some I feel recipes. like I was what adopted I <laughs> oh my gosh what else do you put in I generally will just put cinnamon sticks orange and sometimes I'll put cranberries like but I haven't <gasps> done it yeah or um yeah cloves like whole cloves yeah, I just oh whatever I have, right? Like, so you, do you do apple ever in there? You know what? My aunt always did apple, and she did pear too. Um, apple and, you and just pear. Let it go all day. I got yeah. It's kept just there. kept like adding water. Yeah, you just keep adding water. And my grandma, and my aunt, my mom used to do that too. Like she'd put cinnamon sticks on a on the stove. You know, and I love so it. Well, you know, women are I paying a you know how women know. pay a fortune for essential oils and all the diffusers and everything? Well, <laughs> if you can't well. afford all the oils, yeah, you really right. can. Oh, I know. You it's so good. Things. I mean, you could boil pine even. I've done oh, a lot yeah. of I mean, you'll get sap. You got to be careful boiling pine. But you can go out into nature and find things and just simmer them and you'll get those <laughs> essential oil smells. Seriously. 
You're welcome, Pinterest. <laughs> Heather, thank you for talking to us. And thank I can't you. wait this to keep, so I cannot wait to read your novels. Okay, they're coming. They're coming soon. Well, we have to pray that um, a publisher takes them. Okay. I have to pray about this. Don't you guys always pray about like what's next in the yes. next five years? That's what I'm praying. What's Good. next in the okay. next five years? Well, maybe so. you'll be writing a book about um, being like chosen by God. The whole well, the loneliness next book is thing. called Included. I am. <gasps> That's the next book. It's, Yay. It's, it's due to the publisher January 31st, and it's called Included by Christ, oh, Living yeah. God's Story for Your Life. Oh, Heather. And guess what it's about? It's a Bible study of the six best verbs in Ephesians, and they're not the verbs you think. These are the verbs. You okay. want to hear what the chapters are? Yes. <laughs> okay, listen to this. Well, and it's so set up because the woman has to tell you her shadow narrative instead of her signature story. The shadow narrative is the is the story your flesh and Satan are telling about your life. The signature story is what Jesus says about your life. So in Bible study, the woman gets to share, okay, this is the story I have been telling myself. This is the story God is telling. And they get to share it's, you're going to love it. Okay, so chosen, it's called included by Christ, but the verbs are chosen, seated, renewed, strengthened, proclaiming. Wait, there's one more. There's one more I'm forgetting. But anyway, you're going to oh, love it. Oh, I can't wait. So when I when I went to my, my therapist four years ago and I was like really struggling, that was the first thing she told me to do was to read the book of Ephesians out loud to myself because I was like not knowing who I was. I didn't realize that I was chosen by God, adopted into his family and my past doesn't, you know state what my future is going to be and all of these things. So I would have to sit and read the book of Ephesians out loud. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. And I couldn't, I couldn't read at that point. My, my brain, I couldn't put words together. Like I just, I was really struggling with, like I was, yes, I was like completely, you know, I was a (laughs) picture of (laughs) mental health needing help. Anyways, um, it was beautiful. So I would listen to the book of Ephesians, like the on audio, like on you version. And, uh, it has been that has just completely changed my life knowing that I am that I am Christ that I am um chosen and the fact that it is going to be a fight and he tells us to put on the armor of God and mm-hmm. all of these things like I it has just totally changed my life reading that book over and over and over and I still do like when I really struggle I go back and I read the book of Ephesians out loud and I have to do it out loud because I'm an external processor I can't just read it quietly in my own head I- love everything you are saying. Do you know all the theologians I've been researching? Some of them say that Ephesians is the most revolutionary document Hmm. that exists in the world today. Hmm. That Uh, it is the most powerful document in circulation in the world because of what it is saying about Jesus and about yourself. And some people say, if you can only read one book of the Bible, it should be Ephesians. Really? Which is so cool. But do you want to hear what I've always heard it's supposed to be the book of John. That's what I was always told. Well, I always was told John too, but I guess. Let's do Ephesians. (laughs) Yes. But, um, one thing I'm learning, oh my gosh, I could talk to you guys all day. Should I just say the one thing I learned from Ephesians? Tell us. Yes. Okay. Do you know at the end of Ephesians 6, so everyone thinks about the armor mm. of God all the time, but guess what? At the end of Ephesians 6, Paul says, would you pray this one thing for me? Mm. So Paul is in prison. Right. He is asking his readers for one thing to pray for them. Do you guys remember what he asks? I'll tell you. He says, <laughs> pray you think it's going to be like, pray that I got out of prison, pray that I get married, you know, whatever. Yeah. He says, pray that I have boldness mm. to proclaim the mystery of Christ, mm-hmm. that whenever I open my mouth, words would be given to me to proclaim boldly. I was so convicted because a lot of people read Ephesians and it's all about identity. It's all about like mm. me, me, me. Yeah. But Paul is like, all of this is so mm. you will go and proclaim God gets the boldly. Glory. Mm. Mm. Drop the mic. That's a perfect. Yes. Now we end. Now we end. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yay. Now I get to fold laundry and defrost (laughs) my ground beef for taco now. (gasps) That sounds like fun. I got to do laundry today too. I have mountains of it. It's okay. I don't have quite mountains because I just have two teen girls, but Um, I have about three loads ahead of me. I love it. Well, girl... Enjoy your laundry. Yeah. And we want to thank you. And I'm going to go put some oranges in my mulling spices. Yeah. There you go. And yes, like Danette said, we want to have you back. Yeah. I think you need to come back and we can talk about like 
one thing and you can just share your genius with us. Oh, please. I'll come back when I finish included and I'll tell you about this study and how to study God's word. That's the thing. I'm hoping women how to study. It's kind of like inductive, but more rooted in educational theory of how our mind works and how we remember data. So you'll love it. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Seriously, I can't wait to have you back. You guys are so cute. Okay, this has been the best hour ever. Right, me too. I think so too. Thank you. We love you. We pray for have you. Have a great day. Okay. okay, bye. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. You guys, how how sweet is she? Like, I know. I seriously, we could have talked to her all day. So make sure you keep listening because um, we're going to have her back. We really are. And I just, I'm so blessed by it. So mm-hmm. anyways, make sure you subscribe um, on iTunes to the podcast and leave a review. We would just love that if you could yeah, do that. And share it if you could. Yeah. Share it with a friend. Right. And we just want to be an encouragement to women. That's why we're doing this. And make sure you go get a copy of this book, Seated with Christ and Guarded with Christ. Yeah. They're real life changers. Like I, I'm going to buy this book for Christmas gifts. Right. Right. It just, it reminds us of of not only reminds us it it's teaches us it's who, truth yeah. who we are in Christ that we're all at the same table yeah girl I don't care who you are you need to read this book mm-hmm. even if you think you've arrived go get this book because it'll be still encouraged and you'll still grow because none of us have arrived Amen. so anywho okay we love you guys we'll talk to you later bye